Quantum Marketing Radio, the marketing podcast for insurance agents and financial professionals. And welcome to another episode of the Quantum Marketing Radio Show. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the leveraged marketing guy. Hey, everyone. Jeffrey Thompson. We have the pleasure of speaking with ECA Marketing President Joe Spillman today. Hi, everybody. And Joe, 17 years here at ECA Marketing. Um, a very interesting story. He rose up from marketer all the way up to president of the company. And right before he started ECA, he was selling car tires. How in the world does a guy go from selling car tires to running one of the largest FMOs in the country? Uh, well, thanks for asking and thanks for your time. This is a, a fun experience for us all to get on here and tell our stories. Um, you know, something, it's something I'm very proud of, first of all, and it's been primarily hard work. Uh, is, is if you ask me what has attributed to the success of that. And, uh, you know, I was always good with people. I always liked helping people find solutions for problems. And I look back to selling tires, and it was one of my favorite things ever when somebody would come in, and they were just confused. They felt nervous about making a buying decision because they didn't want to be overpaying for something they didn't need. And it was uh, a great day for me if I could help show them, you know, kind of the differences between the different tires that were available for them out there, uh, the differences between quality and the differences between expense, and walk them through it and end up ultimately getting, you know, helping them pick a good tire for a buying decision and a good solution for them. And, you know, interesting piece, when I started ECA Marketing, uh, I didn't know what a fixed annuity was. Uh, in fact, I remember my interview, uh, Elliot Cobb, the founder of ECA Marketing, uh, he told me they were a lot like CDs from a bank. And my answer to that question or that comment was, what's a CD from a bank? <laughs> uh, so talk about a guy that came in here, uh, you know, eyes wide open to the financial services world. And what's kept me in this business, frankly, has been the, uh, the, the, the fact that it's always changing and evolving. It's always something new to learn. And I can tell you, 17 years into doing this now, you know, just last week I learned something new again about the financial services business. And the, the second you think you got to figure it out, a million things change. So uh, it was interesting when I came in, came in here, uh, just started working with people like I always had in the same approach of trying to come up with a solution with them for their customers. And, uh, you know, that's really what the producers that we work with want. They don't want you just to ram the most expensive product down there for all. They want you to talk about the differences between the, the products similar to tires. Here's one that's a little more expensive, but it's going to give you this as a difference. And ultimately, when you can walk out the door together with that customer and have them satisfied with their purchase, there's just nothing more fulfilling in the sales world. Uh, so that's led me to where I'm at today. Um, one thing that I've always been very proud of, and hopefully some of the listeners of this today uh, will agree to that and they know me, is that uh, I've always been extremely transparent in, the, in my business approach. Uh, I don't sugarcoat anything. I call it how it is, and I'm always extremely honest with my producers. Um, I've always said that the only bad news in our business is no news. If you have to deliver bad news, uh, do it. Deliver the bad news and get it out of the way. Uh, and then try and find a way to solve the problem that caused the bad news. And uh, it, I still train our marketers today, and, and you guys both, I'm sure, have heard this pitch from me and, and working here, is that you know don't hide and run from those issues. Just hit them head on and get it fixed. And most reasonable people, frankly, are on the same page, and they're going to help come to the solution with you. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, it's certainly been a learning curve of getting into wholesaling fixed annuities because, again, as I've told everyone that ever interviews to come work here, you, you can't just learn fixed annuities. You can't just learn fixed life insurance to be a wholesaler. You have to learn really the entire financial services business aspect. You have to understand what REITs are. You have to understand what mutual funds are. I mean, you have to understand advanced concept, at least the general uh, practice of the advanced concepts. Because if you don't, the producers aren't going to be on the same page as you. Um, so it's been something for me that uh, education has been paramount to this business. And it's been you know, a big part of my success. Because every time I hear about something new, I chase it down, and I want to learn it inside and out. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about how uh, people don't really care what time it is, or I'm sorry, they, they only really care what time it is. They don't really care how the watch is built. It's not necessarily true in our business because money is so important to people's lives that they actually want to know how it's built and understand it inside and out before they can feel confident making their decision. So I've always felt like that's a big piece of uh, importance of. Frankly, that's, that leads to education, which is one of my core values in our business that we like to stick to. And, and you know, all of you that have been with ECA, you'll know that we're always trying to put other ideas in front of our producers to educate them on concepts um, just so they have a better, well-rounded um, you know, financial services practice that they're running. What, for you, what was your personal motivation? You're having success at Goodyear. Mm -hmm. 
to do something completely different, to take a 180, take a different career path? What was going on in your life that caused you to kind of step out of your comfort zone and go to a world that you mentioned you had no experience in? Uh, money would be <laughs> the, the honest answer to that. I, I had a friend that was working here. He's no longer with us. I wish he still was. Uh, my mentor in the business, uh, David Hanson, I'll give him a plug because he's a great guy. Uh, he went off, did something different, you know, 10 years after I had started here. And, uh, you know, I saw he was having some financial success and he seemed very happy in life. And uh, he kind of brought me in because he knew I was doing well as a salesman uh, at Goodyear selling tires. And um, a little bit of cockiness because I was 22 years old, felt as though I was the best salesman on the planet. Um, <laughs> Very humbling six months into it. I wasn't a uh, lot, lot more talented salespeople in the financial services business, as it turns out, than the tire sales business. And um, really what what hooked me, though, was when I sat down with the interview with Elliot Cobb. Uh, and his nickname, by the way, is Hap. We, and I'll refer to him as Hap. Uh, you know, he sat me down and he talked about, you know, the financial services world is changing. Again, 17 years ago, the baby boomers were coming. The baby boomers are coming. The baby boomers are coming. And that's all we talked about. That's all we heard about. And Hap talked about this largest transition of wealth this country's ever seen. And, you know, really for the first time in history, retiring people are not retiring with pensions anymore. They're retiring with what we hope is a big pile of money. If they were good savers in their working years, they were saving money in their 401k plans. And they were going to retire, quote, with a big pot of money. And they were going to need help in understanding how to take that pot of money out of a risky position in the stock market, which is primarily, what, of course, that we're doing the 401k plans, put it into some kind of a safe vehicle because when you start taking money out of your plans, you really can't risk a big loss like you can if you're still contributing to those plans. Um, so when he started talking about that to me, my eyes just lit up and the, the excitement of the opportunity of all this money coming uh, in the baby boomer market to me was uh, really what landed me and, and drove me into this business. And I'll tell you, I never looked back once. I mean, once I got in here and started seeing what this world was all about, uh, it, it was just a breath of fresh air for me. And uh, I probably, you guys have certainly heard me say this, and, and most people I've talked with in, in this business have heard me say this. I, I'm the blessed, most blessed person there is because how many people get to find something in life that they truly love and get paid well for doing it? That's me, and I've just stumbled into it. Uh, it was pure luck that my buddy drug me into this business and uh, for... for me to look back now, it's just amazing uh, the, the, the the progress that I've had going from where I was there to where I am today. And uh, I, I think that there's still a lot more to come. I mean, every day they're throwing, you know, with regulatory world or, or compliance and suitability and advertising practices and just kind of changes uh, in uh, the financial services world, you know, there's always new stuff to learn to try and stay ahead of the curve. So I want to just bring this back around to marketing. Since you've been in the industry for 17, 18 years, and you've seen a lot of changes over time, what's the biggest thing that you've noticed in the way producers grow their business and build their business today versus what uh, used to be effective and maybe doesn't work today? Yeah, and it's interesting. We talked about this a little, just a little bit earlier before we got on the mic here, but um, you know, about 12 years ago, uh, I was lucky enough to be honored as a expert marketer panel for NAFA up on stage at one of their annual events and I, I remember my my pitch to the crowd and the crowd was primarily uh, it was was just about all other marketers in the industry that I think they had about 150 other marketers that came into this event again educational event where we go in there and learn something and what they're asking me is kind of this, along that same lines what's changing in our industry today again this is back 12 years ago and uh, I went on I had about a half hour presentation and I talked about the difference between a salesperson and an advisor and how the world used to be primarily salespeople that ran the financial services business and salespeople they're selling product and they're putting a plan together that is designed to have clients follow a path which ultimately leads to making a sale happen well certainly the regulatory world the government doesn't want us to approach our business in that way anymore they want us to approach the business really in a way that says that we want to educate the consumer about these products and let and give the clients the education so they can make a decision on their own. It's really a practice that I even, like I said, it's how I sold tires when I worked at Goodyear. It wasn't ram a product down a client's throat by telling them the bells and the features. It was tell educate them about the differences of the products and help them do that. Help and, them make a decision. Basically. Yeah, interesting today. It's that that concept that I had back 12 years ago really was uh, ahead of the curve. Um, you know, people were thinking maybe that way, but they weren't talking about it out loud. 
And now today, if you look at most of the financial advisors that we work with and insurance agents, they're not selling a one product solution to every client. They're not trying to ram one product sale down everybody's throat. They go in there and they give a comprehensive analysis of the client situation and they collect all the data that they can and then they make a recommendation to that client. And the biggest change from when I started versus what we have today uh, would be the internet. Uh, mm. The usage of internet for the consumers right now is unbelievable. Uh, I can't sell anything to anyone in this world without that person, that prospective buyer or, or purchaser going onto YouTube or going onto uh, the, the internet to just research whether or not I'm shooting straight or whether or not there's some kind of a scam related to whatever it is that I'm trying to sell. So to translate that into marketing, you know, used to be that you could kind of use scare tactics or fear marketing to try and scare those consumers into coming into seeing you and scare them out of where they're at to get into something safer. You really can't use that approach today like you used to be able to use that approach. You, the approach today in marketing is an educational-based approach, which, again, I love. Uh, I was ahead of the curve on that. I've been pre- preaching this for which is my a great career. Great value-added way to work with the clients, anyway. So yeah, it's it's fun. First of all, I think for most people to educate clients on something that the the, t- the presenter, the teacher, is passionate about. Certainly, whenever we get an opportunity to educate our advisors about something we're passionate about, we're pretty good at teaching that story. So what what I like to do uh, as the the president of a, an FMO is bring programs in front of our producers to educate them to where they can bring those educational platforms to their clients to educate their clients. Probably the biggest success we've seen in that in recent years has been the social security marketing systems that we've seen, whether it's in seminars or one-on-one appointments with clients uh, or you know, in uh, room settings, you know, like at, a lot of times they'll use um, colleges or they'll use you know, coffee shop where you sit down with a group of people and just educate them about something. And once they learn, they were in a lot better position to make an educated decision on buying. So really, the, I guess the biggest difference is in our businesses, again, it, it relates back to selling them on something versus educating them on something to motivate them to want to become a buyer. And they're also today now educating themselves a little bit by using the internet. So you have to obviously tell them stuff that's going to be you know, verified by their searches on the internet too. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the most eye-opening experiences that I've had in recent years is uh, uh, we hired a uh, social media marketing expert, ECA, ECA. Some of you have met him, Craig, uh, and and it's it was interesting because he told me that ninety percent of people that are introduced to someone now in the professional world, the first thing they do is they go on the internet and Google that person's name, and they want to know background about that person's person before they make a decision to do business with them. And the reality is, is that that's that media that's out there on you doesn't necessarily give you a sale. But if you don't have any media out there on you, you don't look credible at all. Right. And it will potentially scare a customer away because you don't have anything out there on you. So to have a professional LinkedIn page was something to me that was surprising. Uh, a lot of reps that I work with in the past and even still today, they say, well, I don't really need a website because website doesn't make me any business. No one goes to my website to want to buy a fixed annuity or a fixed life insurance plan. However, if you don't have one, that you're scaring potential consumers away because they're looking you up the second you walk out that door. Yeah, how much is it costing you not to have that website? We just don't know. Yeah, and, and frankly, you know, a website solution, we can help our advisors with that today, is so inexpensive that it, it, frankly, to me right now, is foolish not to consider having totally. at least something out there <laughs> that is in writing on the web that the public can find that it, at very minimum has your mission statement and some of your core values advertised that you do for a practice. Well, we're, uh, we're about to take a commercial break here, so we'll be back in a minute with uh, more from Joe Spillin. Are you independent? Be part of the cutting edge in fixed life and annuity marketing for the independent agent and advisor. Discover the ECA Advantage, where you'll find the marketing systems, tools, and expert support you need to take your business to the next level. Unleash your independence with your free ECA Advantage membership today and get access to ECA's Knowledge is Power 2016 keynote speaker video series featuring Kim O'Brien talking about the DOL fiduciary rule. Call ECA Marketing at 1-800-356-4189 for more information or visit ecamarketing.com. And welcome back to Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy, Jeffrey Thompson. 
and we're picking up back up our conversation with ECA President Joe Spillman. We're talking about um, your career starting here at 1999, the changes you've seen over the last 17 years. Um, we've already talked about here at ECA Marketing, there is a huge emphasis on building marketing and sales support for producers because we want to help them have that uh, support to be able to provide a visionary plan for their clients. Was that something that was even a conversation with producers 17 years ago, or was it all product-based? Yeah, interesting question. In, in fact, no. When, when I first started in this business, we never talked to our, to, with our producers about educating them on becoming better salespeople. Our, our primary job, really, as a wholesaler back in 1999, was we would sign a contract with an insurance company to tell that insurance company's story to as many producers as we could and beg those insurance producers to do that business through us. Um, so we're, we were making 100 phone calls a day pitching just a product, and we were hoping that those producers liked the product and that they would hopefully have a prospect that they could sell that product to. Uh, and, you know, you fast forward that through the years, and uh, if you kind of look at the history and the evolution of the, the fixed annuity marketing companies, uh, we did start just pitching product, and that was it, and that was a, a great platform back then. It was probably easy for somebody like yourself starting out n not in the industry to kind of get a script, a product, and just rinse and repeat. You make that phone call a hundred times in a day, at some point somebody's going to pick it up and listen to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly wish they would have picked it up and listened to me more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the key to success there was uh, hard work and diligence. I mean, you, you had to keep doing it. You had to keep pitching the story a uh, hundred times and, and Similar to when I started, we hired a new marketer today, and, and the bottom line is I tell them they got to make 10,000 phone calls before they start getting some sales. And 10,000 phone calls at 100 a day takes quite a few days before they start seeing some results with that hard work. And uh, it's supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, and it wouldn't be easy anymore, right? So it's supposed to be a hard business. But as our business uh, internally at a wholesaling company has evolved, you know, we were starting at one point to lose traction on just pitching product. So we really had to build something different. And what we built at ECA, again, I think we were ahead of the curve. Some might argue that with me, of course, at, at some of my competitors' offices. But we built a very robust back office support staff. And uh, you know, currently we have 52 employees at ECA, and over half of them are there just to support producers in getting them licensed, getting their new business processed, following up with uh, paramedic exams and life insurance underwriting processes. Uh, and really there's underwriting requirements on annuities now today where when I first started, there was no requirements on suitability or underwriting an annuity. What I mean by underwriting annuity is just that suitability. We, gotta, we now have to go through a process to make sure that the insurance carrier uh, is gonna accept the case for the client. Uh, used to be, again, if you could get a client to say, yes, I'd like to buy an annuity or a life insurance sale, it was done. And we just inked the deal and it was done. Now we have to go through a process to make sure it fits within the narrow requirements that the carrier has uh, so there's no backlash later on about how that sale might unfold. And we get very little, by the way, of, of cases that go bad at ECA. It's, it's a ridiculous low number. It, it's in the, the, the basis points, not even 1%, in other words, of cases that go bad. Uh, with our advisors and we have a full department that helps with suitability now of course as well and uh, you know when I started uh, 17 years ago we never even considered having an underwriter on staff and we have a full-time underwriter in Ben Roll that helps our producers with you know understanding whether or not a client's going to get approved for a life insurance policy and similar our nudie uh, specialists are trained to understand whether we'll be able to get a, a suitability sale through on the annuity side. So a lot of this back office stuff that was developed over time was really to help take stuff off the agent's plate so that they could be more effective at marketing and sales, free up more time to focus on really what matters most to their business. Yeah, you know, our goal was is that you know we identified very early that a lot of our successful producers were spending too much time on the back office piece of the work, following up with transfers to make sure that the insurance carrier didn't lose an application or the pile from you know, two years ago and forget to follow up with it for six months. So, you know, we built on a, a, like I said, a very robust back office support system. And that started really about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe. Uh, and we still today follow up with every case that we get in the door here at least once a week. And I got to tell you, a lot of times it's much more often than that, because if there's something outstanding or wrong, we're calling daily if we have to, to make sure that we help get those things fulfilled so we can move the case on to the next step. 
Uh, interesting piece of that is, of course, when you do something like that right in any business, uh, all the other competitors follow along. So everyone started building kind of that back office support model. Uh, I'll stand up in front of anyone still today and tell them that I believe we have the best one because, frankly, I think we have the most experience in doing it because we've been doing it longer than everyone else out there, and have, we've done a really good job in that back office support. And you could ask most of our producers, I think they'd agree uh, with everything we say. Again, certainly mistakes happen. Uh, the, the difference, again, here is when a mistake happens, we don't get upset. We don't puff our chest up and act like it was somebody else's fault. Uh, we, we don't like to throw stones back and forth if there are issues. Frankly, whenever an issue comes in front of me and I take those on myself still today personally, the, the answer isn't to try and find out who did something wrong. The answer is to fix the problem and it, take it head on until it's solved. And if you want to throw stones at me later, go ahead. Tell me that we did a bad job on one case or, or we did a great job on one case, but let's get it solved and let's get the case issued. So still today, great back office support. I think you're going to see at ECA uh, compared to anyone else you could even look at doing business with. But again, as the businesses evolved, that wasn't enough anymore. Offering just great service, back, great back office support, lots of different carriers and vendors. Uh, one other note, I guess, to say that's interesting is when I started, we had about 12 companies that we worked with. And uh, imagine the how much more complicated it is. Uh, and you guys have a great success on life insurance wholesaling. Uh, you guys have 30 companies probably on the life insurance side alone. There's another 30 or 40 companies that we work with on the annuity side. And then a lot of those companies do both. So there's really about 70 different companies that ECA is currently wholesaling and, and trying to get business to when it's an appropriate fit. Um, so where the, where the business, uh, again, goes evolved to, to the next level is you can't just offer product. We all know better than that. Producers can get product from everywhere. You can't just offer good back office support anymore. It's not enough for producers to be satisfied. We feel as though we're obligated to offer our producers not only educational platforms so they can learn and keep uh, on top of new concepts that come on the industry so they can be well-rounded as an advisor, but we feel obligated to help show our producers lots of different marketing platforms that they could look at and if decided to jump into it, they could be successful in recruiting new clients to themselves. And really that's been about the last five years. ECA has had no less than 10 new marketing programs that we've showed thousands of advisors. Uh, we like to bring them into boot camp so we can keep them captive and keep their attention because we all know when they're at home listening to a webinar, they're probably playing on their computer in the background or playing bubble blast on their cell phones <laughs> or whatever they're doing. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, it's it's very well received. The producers love that, that educational forum and platforms that we offer. And that's really where we're at today. Uh, tons of product, great support as far as illustrations and helping a, a producer pick which product's best for their client in a specific need. We call that case design. We all work on case designs all the time. Uh, we also offer outstanding back office support, best in the business. But the, the, the third leg to our business that has really helped take us to the next level in our business is that we continue to bring new sales ideas and sales programs and marketing systems and platforms to the table for our advisors to try. Again, it's 80-20 rule. You bring in 100 people, 20 of them are going to have success with a program. Um, rather than just throwing the other 80 aside, like I think a lot of our competitors do, because they're a one-trick pony. They've got a one-seminar system approach. They've got a one-direct-mail approach. They've got a one-approach to whatever marketing and recruiting efforts they're doing. We go much, much farther than that, and we bring the 80 in that weren't successful in the first program and show them a different program. And if that doesn't work for them, we show them a different program. And i got to tell you, the vast majority of producers that we work with have tried two, three different approaches to marketing, and for the most part, every one of them works for them at one level or another. Uh, it's them that likes to jump ship and try different things because, frankly, it challenges them in their business, and they want a more well-rounded business. They don't want to be a one-trick pony and only market one specific way. And, Jeff, you and I work very closely in you building out the quantum marketing program, yeah. and that is exactly what that program is designed to do, is to show a producer a different approach to try and if they can find success in that approach to continue doing it. And you have showed a very strong commitment to continue to build out that program so it's not just a one-trick pony, but it gives them a way to market to their clients in multiple different avenues. Right, right. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you have an interesting perspective in the industry because you've worked with big producers from early on even through today and still work with dozens of big producers. What do you see as their biggest obstacle to growing their business in this economy, in this market? Well, I mean, certainly with all the regulatory changes that we've seen in this world over the last 10 years, um, you know, they're, they're always trying to 
find the way kind of around those regulatory blocks and hurdles that they put up in the road. And, you know, advertising alone, I'll just start with there, is you have to be, as a producer, you have to be careful on how you advertise. Uh, if you send out a, a lead card mailer, uh, I had experience one time with a producer uh, that he had used a lead card uh, company, a mailhouse company, to send out a big lead card. And that lead company neglected to tell him that in his state it's a requirement that he has his insurance license number on the bottom of the lead card. And he was fined $10,000 and was put out of the business for six months as a penalty just for not putting his license number on the bottom of the lead card. Again, uh, those are hurdles that the producers have to try and find their way through. And we certainly believe that we're a very strong help for our producers in those kind of things. Um, a lot of times the producers don't come to us and tell us what they're doing. They just do their marketing on their own. And of course, we can't help them if they don't bring them to our attention. Uh, but I've told that story you know, thousands of times Make sure you put your insurance license number on the bottom of the mail card. And then you also just really have to be careful on what you say on a mail card. Uh, one of the real strong ones out there in the world today is the regulatory world doesn't want producers sending out a lead card that looks like the lead card's coming from the federal government, specifically from the Social Security Administrative Office. So they don't want to see an eagle on your mail card because that relates somehow to the Social Security Administrative Office. They don't want you to say that you're part of the Social Security Administration in any way or form that can lead a client to believe that you're part of the Social Security Administration. Um, so really those challenges for producers in marketing has been the biggest thing. Uh, kind of coupled with, uh, again, the, the, the growth of the internet has been so crazy that you literally can't say, you can't type anything into Google and not find negatives on it anymore. There's literally nothing in the world. You could have your favorite thing on the planet, you type that into Google and you're gonna have a couple hundred great articles about it and you're gonna have a couple hundred negative articles about it. So for a producer, they've gotta kinda of deal with that because uh, it used to be that they would only come up, get objections when they would hear about objections from friends. Now, if there's one objection in the whole world that's happened, your every single client in the world is gonna see it on the internet yeah. because they're gonna Google it. One bad Yelp review. One bad Yelp review is going to give a, <laughs> a, a, you know, 10 million viewers an opportunity to get on there and see it. And, and there's certainly um, you know, proponents of products that we don't sell against what we sell, frankly. It's always in their own best interest. That's always the interesting part. If you look at these people that are out there selling uh, against what we sell, it's because they're getting commission selling something different or they're being compensated by somebody that's selling something different. So, you know, as so they're motivated to smear the product that they're competing against. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and a lot of times those people have some very good messages that they're delivering, uh, but certainly we don't feel like one shoe fits all, and we've walked away from plenty of sales just like our advisors have uh, because the client didn't, didn't fit. It wasn't a fit for that sale for that client. You know, they were still an invest, uh, aggressive investor and they wanted to be in the stock market. Maybe a variable life insurance policy was a better fit for that client than a guarantee life insurance policy. Uh, and if that's the if that's the client's attitude and that's where the client's fit is, you, you gotta let them do that. Um, again, it used to be that you could pound that sale down every client's throat that you get out of the door, Wolf of Wall Street style, where they're trained and educated, <laughs> just ram it down the client's throat until they buy. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just not the way the world works today anymore. So that has all really caused marketing to become much more challenging. Um, you know, one of the, the other key factors that um, has been nothing but more and more challenging since I started in the business, uh, if you recall 17 years ago, interest rates were floating around 8%. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, nowadays they're below 2% most days, and they fluctuate right around that 2% range. Uh, and a lot of clients keep thinking interest rates are going to go back up. And, you know, I'm here to tell you today, and I'm actually about to write a blog article on it, I believe that we're in a high interest rate market right now as compared to where it's going to go. Hmm. Um, that's what I truly believe because if you look at the world economy, we're stellar right now. The rest of the world wishes they had interest rates that we have in the United States today. And if the rest of the world is lagging because we really are a global economy today like we've never been before, we're probably going to be not too far behind them. So I could foresee that we are going to continue to not only stay in a very low interest rate market uh, like we're experiencing today, it could get worse. Hmm. And we kind of got to get used to that. Well, if you're out there and you're believing in, in what I'm saying, that it's a very strong potential that it could get worse uh, before it gets better, then really today we're in a good position interest rate-wise and we should be taking advantage 
of good interest rates today. Now is the marketing opportunity to get out there and get this in front of people before the interest rates go down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And frankly, products have changed significantly since I started the business as well. Uh, and, and carriers have had to design products differently to make them still attractive for consumers to buy. And, and I'll tell you, frankly, our business has been really good about doing that. I mean, it's really amazing if you look at what these products are able to do in such a low interest rate market. Mm -hmm. So just as a follow-up question, you've mentioned the internet a few times and working with producers that have been in the industry for many years and the average age being somewhere in their mid-50s, I guess, the demographic for a typical agent. How well are these guys adapting to and embracing the internet that you work with? Uh, do you have any that you've noticed or are they still kind of dragging their feet there? Or are we yeah, waiting for us to help them? Yeah, and certainly like everything, you've got different types of personalities, some uh, will absolutely just not do it. You know, they're, and frankly, they've kind of accepted the fact that they're maybe winding down in their career. They're not in a growth mode of their career anymore. Sure. Uh, one thing that I, that we, we get so tied up in marketing and showing our producer to get far more clients. Sometimes I worry that there's a large demographic of clients of ours, which are the insurance agents and financial advisors, that really don't want to do any marketing. They're right. content with the amount of business that they have now, and they just want to continue to slowly but surely wind their business down and really not take on any new ventures of recruiting new clients. And that's okay uh, because I think, again, we offer very good support as far as helping them when they, you know, a reoccurring client comes back or they get referrals. And we've got a referral program where we've helped teach advisors how to be more effective with asking for referrals, uh, which leads me to a funny story, Louie, when you talked about my early careers in marketing. It was about year two. Uh, one of my questions I'd ask every advisor at the end of the call was, do you ever ask your clients for referrals? And they would always say, of course. I said, how do you do that? Can you give me an example? And they'd give me this little pitch, this canned pitch that they had on how they asked their clients for referrals. And then they'd shut up and they'd sit and listen to me. And I'd wait about five seconds of silence. And then I'd say, that's what I'm doing right now. Do you have any other financial advisor friends of yours that you think I could talk to and help offer you know, annuity products to them? And I got to tell you, it works. Uh, it, it works still today. It worked back when I started this business years ago. Um, a lot of times... They want to give you those referrals. They just, they're just not thinking about it. So if you don't ask, they're not going to give it to you. Sure. Just like any referral. They're, just, just they're, like, not, they're not thinking about it unless you bring it up. So Yeah, so to lead back, I'll tell you, the, the producers that continue to be successful and grow their practice, they have to do the marketing stuff. Uh, there's definitely a demographics of producers in the industry today that are pretty content with what they're making. They maybe got a nice renewal block of business because they've been in the business for a long time. You know, certainly if they're in their mid late fifties and even even mid late sixties, you know, they've been in business a long time. They've got a lot of clients that they're servicing on an annual basis and doing a great job with, and a good renewal stream on top of that. And just going back and doing annual visits is is a good percentage for them to make the income that they want. But you've definitely got some of them that, you know. The best salesman ever is the one that spends just a little bit more money than they make for us because when they always have to go try and make more. And uh, there's definitely a good percentage of producers that are always out there continuing to do marketing and finding success. And one thing I know for sure is that the biggest producers in the business today are doing a lot of marketing. Mm -hmm. It's just which approach that they like to do that makes them more effective in their business. Once they start to find some success at a certain way, they do more of it to get more success at it. The ones that stop doing it, they, they really at some point start to go backwards because just like in our business, uh, producers eventually will retire. We have to replace those with new producers. Our producers have clients that are eventually going to pass away, retire, move out of state, move over to a different advisor, a different uh, insurance agent. They have to always be bringing in new business or, frankly, they're going backwards. As the president of a marketing organization, I can only imagine how many people have showed up at your door pitching you a new marketing program or a plan. So I'm sure you've seen what doesn't work, you've seen what does work. What do you think is the ingredient that makes a marketing presentation or system or selling package work for an agent? Is there one key ingredient that you see time and time again? Yeah, I mean, the key ingredient, and I think we all kind of know what the answer is to that, is hard work. I mean, hard work pays off. Uh, two, two of my favorite lines and mottos that I'll go with in life is uh, one of our uh, employees here says that he's a real strong believer in luck, and what he finds out, the harder he works, the more luck that he gets. And what he's basically saying is you have to show up to get luck. And that relates to my second favorite line. This is one Hap Cobb taught me. He told me that 90% 90, 90 of success in this business is showing up, so show up more. 
and what showing up means is talking to more people, getting in front of more people. And that doesn't matter if we're talking about recruiting insurance agents and financial advisors to a company like ours, or if you're a financial advisor or an insurance agent trying to recruit clients for yourself. Uh, and what does it? What does that all mean? It just means work hard, and you're going to see success. Uh, you're, if you work hard, you're going to see more success than if you don't. Now, as far as which program is the best, which marketing solution is the best, it, it really is. It has to be identified for each individual. Um, some guys are great at getting up on stage and getting the client to fall in love with them. Just on a, a one-hour presentation up on stage, they're able to build trust with their clients. Uh, some people get up on stage and they're real nervous, and they just—it's not that they're not trustworthy; it's that they look untrustworthy because of their nerves getting in the way and, and make, make it a challenge for them to do that presentation. So it, it's difficult to, at times for us to make an, a, a, a recommendation for our producers on which marketing to go with because maybe that producer just isn't good up on stage. Um, funny story I can share with you, Louis, about. 15 years ago, I was talking to one of my producers who was a, a real good friend at the time. We'd done business together for a long time. And I told him I wanted to get out and see my clients, my producers, more often face-to-face because I wanted to build the relationship. And he told me that was the stupidest thing he's ever heard. And I said, well, what do you mean? I think it's wonderful I get to meet my producers face-to-face, don't you? And he goes, Joe, if they're your producers, that means they have a perception of you that's good over the phone. What if you show up and they don't like short, chubby guys? Face to face. Why would you want to do? Why would you want to go ruin the perception that they have of you? They might think of you as this tall, lean, good-looking guy because your voice has encouraged them to do business with you. Don't ruin it, uh, which is very interesting. Because for the record, Joe's not that short <laughs> or that stubby. Yeah, <laughs> um, however, it's a good point because if you're getting up on stage and you're uncomfortable up on stage and you don't have a good stage presence, you might not want to be a producer that is going to do a seminar system. But you might be great on the phone, so then maybe you're, you'd be better suited to do some kind of phone sales work. Or maybe you're just really good one-on-one because you're not nervous one-on-one like you might be up on a stage with the lights. So it really is getting to know your producer through the biggest key of our business that, again, you guys know this, I train to it all the time, profile, profiling your producer the right way. And it's no different than profiling a client again. You want to know what that producer is all about, what they're successful at, what they've done in the past, and then you can make an educated uh, piece of advice to your client, which is the producer, on how they should approach you know, marketing going forward. Well, I think about the most successful producers I work with. They know what they're good at, they're passionate about it, and they work their butts off. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, passion is I would one, say of the, the same. one of the key things. Sure. Yeah, passion for the industry. Um, Larry McLean, one of our programs, I'm sure some of you heard about it, called Your Family Bank. One of the most passionate guys that I've ever met. One of his greatest lines that I've ever heard in the insurance business is, you can't successfully be an insurance agent if you're a secret agent. And what he means by secret agent is that you're kind of ashamed of the fact that you sell life insurance and financial services in the world. The reps that are proud of that fact and passionate about the fact that they're out there truly trying to help their clients and do what's in the best interest of their clients, bar none have better success in this business than the ones that don't. And we all work with them on a daily basis. We have producers at all levels of success. We have producers that really aren't all that passionate about what they do, but they can still be successful. But none of the big producers share that character. All of the big producers are very passionate about what they do. They love the business that we're in, and they love sharing their story, educating their consumers, and delivering the message that they do consistently. And that leads to what you said. They, they know what they're good at, and they do it as much as possible and work very hard at it. And that's how the passion is received from the consumer is when that message continues to get delivered that the producer really does believe in. Yeah, I think I've seen you know all the big producers I work with have figured out what their strengths are too, and they really play to that mm-hmm. rather than trying to do everything in the kitchen sink. Um, most of the struggling producers I've ever talked to, you know, try to do everything. Yeah, and, you know, and let's not hide the fact that marketing is expensive at times too. And, and a lot of times you'll have producers that'll go into a marketing idea and think it's wonderful, but they won't be in a position where they're comfortable investing significant dollars into the growth of their business practice. Uh, so they stick their toe in the water until all of a sudden it comes a point where they have to spend some money. Um, some of our most successful producers, we've recently profiled, and Louie, you've helped me with this project, and asked them what do they do for their marketing budget? How do they allocate? How do they know how much to allocate for their marketing budget? And uh, it was actually one of Louie's producers told me that from day one in this business, he allocates 10% of his commissions in an account specifically for marketing and 
kind of rewards for his clients that do business with him, uh, whether it's just a, a, a caribou coffee gift card or a dinner or whatever it is, to kind of thank that client and, and, and let them know how much he appreciates their business. Now, his business model specifically, if I recall, was a referral-based business networking system. So that 10% that he allocates towards marketing was really spent on sitting clients down and warming them up to him with his business and getting his hands wrapped around his producers. And again, that's that's not easy either because you have rules that you have to be careful with, with rebating your commissions back to your clients and things like that. And that's real, really has been the biggest change of our business is just the awareness of what you can and can't do as far as marketing and advertising uh, without getting yourself in trouble. Uh, Joe, how is it that you actually vet a marketing program before you get it out in front of agents? I know that that's an important part of what you do for agents at ECA is bring them these marketing programs. How do you decide on what one to get out there in front of them and what's a good one or a bad one? Yeah, it's a great question and frankly it's challenging. Um, I get uh, on average uh, two marketing programs a month that are brought to my table for me to review and research to see whether or not we think it could be a viable uh, system for us to, to roll to our producers. And whether those come in the form of a software presentation package or a full onboard join this firm and do marketing the way they do it and you're going to help get leads or if it's a buy this lead program or do this kind of thing. And there's certainly some stuff that you can do and it, it, much like our consumers, one of the things I do immediately is I Google the guy's name and I put the word scam behind it or rip off behind it because I want to see if anything shows up. And uh, certainly if anything does, it doesn't scare me away because again, I'm an educated consumer at this point and I realize that just about everything out there good is going to have some negative remarks on it. One sure. bad Yelp review like you mentioned earlier uh, doesn't necessarily scare me away, but I really dig into it. I want to know what that complaint was about and if there is a complaint about something, the complaint is probably overblown, but it probably has some real some real realities to it. It's probably got a piece of it that really can be a concern. And one of the biggest ones that I always look at first is scale. If we are going to introduce this to hundreds and thousands of th hundreds, if not thousands, of producers, can they handle those producers? Are they able to scale up their marketing that they're offering to lots of new producers, or can they really handle the five or ten or twenty or hundred that they have now? You know, if we added another 100, would they be able to handle that service-wise? Uh, and that's always one of the very early on questions. Uh, the second one is, is that most of these programs that are brought to my table are brand new. And I don't like brand new programs. I certainly don't want to advise my producers who I care for to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on some marketing effort for something that's not proven. So one of the things that I always do, first of all, is I want to get referrals. I want to get some uh, some agents on the line that are not my agents, but they're having success already with that marketing program to kind of give me the, the answers. Now, knowing that whenever you get referrals from someone that's trying to sell you something, they're not going to give you the bad referrals. They're going to give you their best buddies that are going to give the, the, the best answers to those questions. However, when you go through the process and you drag that phone call on as long as you possibly can in profiling that producer, you can certainly pick up on kind of the the, maybe the two-star features of the product of the, the program rather than the five-star features and you have to try and identify a consistency in what the two stars are and whether or not you think that you can handle those two-star you know they're, they're not complaints but you have to consider they could turn into complaints and if service is one of them it's certainly something you want to stay away from if that it's only worked for one out of a hundred and that one person is just a superstar and he's uh, frankly, he's made it work in spite of it uh, by throwing a ton of money at it and a ton of resources at it that just isn't realistic for everyone to do. Uh, we want to stay away from those programs. If the producer or the, which by the way, most of these programs that we see are coming from producers. They're building a program because they want to sell something so they can make a, make a living doing something other than selling insurance and investments. Um, first of all, why? That's always a great thing to consider when you're going and sitting down with these, these people that are trying to sell you something. Why are they selling it for a living? Why, if, if it's so great, why aren't they just super successful selling financial services and insurance products themselves? Certainly there's a, a certain demographic of those people that uh, are burnt out of selling to the general public every day, and, they, and there's also a certain level of people that uh, are very successful selling to clients, but they also want an additional revenue source, so they built something that was so good for themselves that they're willing to share it with the rest of the world as long as they can be compensated for sharing that with the rest of the world. Uh, and we've definitely had a ton of success with programs like that. Again, uh, Larry McLean with the Your Family Bank program uh, has been very successful in sharing what he's done in his business practice. Uh, Mike Castlenick with the 5Q program has been very good at sharing 
what he's done with his business practice. And Jeff, your program with Quantum Marketing, you know, this is something that you've helped build with just a couple producers early on, saw some very early success with it. And you know, you have the passion in this business that is required to be successful. And you're delivering that same message over and over again to hundreds if not thousands of producers to show them ways that they can be successful in that business. And certainly there's always money behind everything. And if we can help our producers become more successful, that's how we make money. Uh, it's not only fulfilling financially, but it's just a fulfilling piece of life when you're able to help people be more successful in what they do, and, and we absolutely love doing that. Um, the, the other piece of the programs you got to be careful of is, uh, again, is it going to be compliant? Is there some red flags up there with compliance that you can get your producers uh, into trouble by saying something the wrong way or delivering something that is being perceived as the wrong way? Uh, and perception a lot of times turns into reality, especially when it comes to suitability nowadays. Sure. We'll go out in this question. Our agents that are listening to today's show are going to be, for the most part, marketing-centric. They want to market. They want to become better at marketing their practice, what they do, and how they serve their clients in a unique way. Is there a best place for them to start? Is there a piece of advice that you'd share with them? You know, if you're ready to dip your toe in the water or do a cannonball into the pool, where do you start? Well, I'm gonna diverge just a little bit from that question. Um, one thing that is my golden rule in life that I think has been very uh, helpful to me in my business is I always like to try and put myself in their shoes. So who are my customers? Can I put myself in my customer's shoes and look at myself? It's a very difficult thing to do sometimes. You don't look necessary 100% like what you see, but if there's something you see that you don't like, you can change it and you can become better at what you do. One thing I would advise every producer before they jump into any marketing program is to get in their consumer's shoes and look at themselves. Meaning, when the consumer sits down with you, Louie, and, and, and talks to you about an insurance sale, and they go out and Google you and research you, are they going to find the stuff that you would be proud of them to be finding? So certainly you have to get into the digital marketing world today. You have to be professional on your Facebook page and not, not pictures of you sitting around a campfire drinking beers. Uh, you have to have that professional look and approach to every piece of media that's out there in the world. You have to have a good LinkedIn profile. You should have some kind of a website. I'm not even a huge believer that it has to be a big, expensive, fancy website. It's just got to be something that delivers the message of what your core values are and what you do in a business practice. So before you really even get into the marketing approach that you want, make sure that you're being seen in a way that you want to be seen when they go do research what you're doing. The next level is, uh, you know, if, if you have a, a limited budget and you're trying to get in front of more clients, it just your know, venture marketing system with Quantum is, is one of the most cost-effective ways to go out there and do business. And it's also a, a great way for agents to practice their sales approach really with a non-threatening buyer, meaning a joint venture partner, because you are ultimately selling that joint venture partner on business partnering with you, but you're not selling them a specific product, and it's a great way for you to tune your sales skills in going about that approach. The other thing I would say is you got to kind of identify who you are and who you want to be. Do you even want to be that that, it, that industry leader? Do you want to be known in your territory as the best of the best? Uh, if you don't, that's okay. But identify that to yourself before you spend a bunch of money trying to build yourself out to be that person if in reality you aren't that person and don't want to be that person to be the star. Maybe you just want to be a, you know, a, a, an average kind of insurance agent or financial advisor that helps a limited amount of clients in a special niche. Well, if that niche isn't that big robust picture of the star guy in the territory, you know, don't focus on that. Again, if you want to be that star guy in the territory that can fulfill everybody's needs because you've got an office staff of 20 and everyone does different things that they specialize in, then you want to go ahead and approach that in your marketing. Uh, the other piece is you have to identify how many new clients do I want to acquire in a year? And then you have to go and say, now what model, which marketing approach allows me to do that in most cost-effective way? Certainly today we still see seminars are the most popular way to acquire new clients but again it's a very expensive approach to acquire new clients and frankly you become a target for compliance the state insurance departments are very regularly looking at seminar systems uh, as a you know make sure that they're not bait and switch type of seminars where the clients are being lured into you know following a path that sells eventually sells them one product and only one product um, you know the other one that's becoming very very popular is internet leads and internet sales I've got to tell you guys beware doesn't mean they're all bad. Certainly doesn't mean they're all bad. But there are a lot of bad ones out there. 
you can spend a lot of money on trying to go get blood internet leads that have been recycled, reused, sold to numerous people. And how can we do that? Well, again, you can use Google just like your customers do and try and find some research on it by just typing in you know, some negative words behind the name of the program and somebody probably has a Yelp review on it and you can get an idea on whether or not that Yelp review scares you or not. And then for some reason, and we're all great communicators in our business, we're all salespeople by heart and we're all very social and we like to talk to people, why don't we talk to more people and get more recommendations and referrals? You know, if Louis, somebody tells you about a program that you think just sounds like the greatest thing in the world, go out there and try and find five people that are using it and find out what they think about it. See if there's some consistencies in their explanation of the program and how it works. And if those consistencies are something that you're drawn to, go for it. If those consistencies are something that scares you a little bit, maybe still go for it, but definitely be aware of that. And maybe you can focus on your energy on trying to avoid some of those negatives that you felt as though you were picking up on when you're interviewing with those five other people in your approach. And again, you know, look at different things that just because you look at lots of things doesn't mean you have to try everything. Um, a lot of us like to be jacks of all trades when it comes to marketing. And uh, certainly one thing that we've noticed at ECA is, is reps that try everything have less success on anything than the ones that just grab the one thing and just beat it to death and run with it and really put all their energy and all their effort behind one thing. If you want to be a seminar guy, do it. Don't dabble in it, do it. Commit to a time frame on how long you're gonna do it for, perfect it to the best of your ability, and at the end of that time frame that you committed, whether it's a one-year approach to that marketing program or a five-year approach to that marketing program, identify the time, do it as hard as you can for that amount of time, perfect the message, perfect the delivery, and then at the end you can find out whether or not you're successful. I can't tell you how many firsts I've had over the years. It's literally in the thousands that have tried one or two seminars. And hard, to tell, hard to tell if it actually works at yeah, that point. <laughs> cer certainly the reason they only did one or two seminars is because they weren't able to get that $200,000 commission sale out of those one or two seminars, and they gave up on it. Well, i got to tell you, guys, for the most part, when you do your first seminar, you do a pretty crappy job. Right? And it's not because you're trying to, it's because you're up on stage and you're looking nervous and you don't feel comfortable. And that lack of comfort makes consumers weary of you. You have to break through that. So if, you, if your marketing budget only allows you to try the marketing one time, you probably should just save that money and go do what you've been doing. And go do what you've been doing more. And go do what you've been doing better. Go get more passionate about what you've been doing and just refocus maybe on what you're doing now. And I gotta tell you, for the most part, the the, the most popular marketing that we see in the industry today and really always have has been referrals and existing clients. So if that's been your approach and you're really good at that, you know, don't mess around with anything else. Just do more of it and do a better job of it. And what does that relate back to, guys? Hard work. Show up more often. 90% of success is showing up. So how do we show up? We work harder. He's been showing up for 17 years here at ECA Marketing. Joe Spillman, fantastic insight today. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Independent. Be a part of the cutting edge in fixed life and annuity marketing for the independent agent and advisor. Discover the ECA Advantage, where you'll find the marketing systems, training, products, compensation, and expert support you need to take your business to the next level. Sign up for your free ECA agent account to get access to ECA's Knowledge is Power 2016 Keynote Speaker Video Series. For more information, call ECA Marketing today at 800-356-4189 and ask for your marketer or visit ecamarketing.com. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Find out more about the Quantum Marketing System at quantummarketingsystem.com.